Kindness from the sermon series Community, spoken by Pastor Peter on. You know, it's just some, sometimes we, we see like how the church grows, and you know, God's been growing our church by birth now as well. But we sometimes take for granted the people that God brings here. And sometimes they become like these strangers, no matter what, because we come here every Sunday, don't we? And we see folks and we leave and things like that. But the reality is, is that we're a community. Uh, the Christian community or the church community, now you may not agree with me on this, but biblically speaking, it's the greatest community this world has ever known. It should be, in theory. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the head of the, of the community. It's the only place where Jesus says, I am the head of this community. And so because it is, there's an opportunity. And so we launched this series on Easter to really talk about the different aspects that allows us to encounter and be in community because community is not easy. It's, not, it's very, very difficult. We all long to live in it, but then sometimes we don't want to because of how hard it can be for each and every one of us. All right. And so one of the aspects that we need to talk about in terms of community is this aspect of kindness kindness. In order for us to be a true community here in this church, we have to learn to be kind to one another. Who are some of the kindest people in your life? Who are some of the kindest people in your life? Think about that for a moment. For me, I have a few. My daughter, Kayla, she's like one of the kindest people I know. She not only looks like an angel, but she acts like an angel, right? She's kind to everyone. Sometimes she's not too kind to her older sister, but that's it. Everyone else she's like amazing too. She's so kind. My wife, Jenny, she is one of the kindest people I know. She's like 95% kind to me all the time. There's a 5% where she's not so kind, but 95%, she's pretty awesome. She is super, super kind to me. And my friends, my closest friends, I have three real close friends. They're some of the kindest people I know. And when I think about our staff, everyone on our staff are super kind people. But the one that takes the prize has got to be Pastor David Hosang. Yo, can you imagine David being unkind? I would pay money to see that guy be unkind one day. I just would love to see what unkind gesture he would do. Every single one of us remembers a moment when somebody was unkind to us, don't we? And whenever somebody's unkind to us, we don't want to really be around them. And so you're just like me, because I don't like being around unkind people. I like surrounding myself with some kind folks. And in order for us to really be a community here, we have to learn to be kind to one another. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what does it mean to truly be a kind community? How can we be kind to one another? All right? the, and, and what we're going to do first is that we're going to define what kindness means in the Greek. We're going to do that that's important. Kindness is so much more than you just being nice to one another. It's so much deeper than that, all right? So how can we truly be kind? How does the Greek New Testament define kindness? That's the first thing. The second thing is we're gonna focus on the kindness of God. And we're gonna ask the question, what's the purpose of God's kindness? Is it just because he loves you? Is a deeper purpose of why God's kind to you? We're gonna answer that question. And the last thing is we're gonna talk about how do we cultivate this kindness in our lives so that we can be in a relationship with one another, all right? Uh, the reality is that there are moments where every single one of us here we're unkind. We can be unkind. I don't know too much, except for maybe David Jose and a couple of others. There are moments when we are quite unkind. And a lot of times, sometimes that unkindness, because it's easier to be unkind than kind. It really is. Sometimes what it does is that it isolates us. And a lot of times we long to be in community. We long to be in relationships with people. But the reality is if we're not going to work and grow in kindness, nobody's going to want to be around you. Because people want to be around kind people. 
And so how can we develop and nurture kindness in our lives? That's what I want to talk to you about today. So can we just bow our heads really quickly for a moment of prayer? God, I thank you so much for bringing us all together here today. Thank you for those who are watching online. I pray, Lord, as we dive into scripture today, that you'll just really help us to uncover how we can be kind to each other, Lord. I pray for those in this room that are very unkind to themselves. I pray that you will convict them today, challenge them deeply, rebuke them for how they treat themselves many times. I pray also for those who are unkind to other people, maybe even people who are closest to them. Lord, I pray that you would help them to really get something out of this message and you would speak to the depth of their soul. So Lord, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room, God, I pray that it would indeed be pleasing unto you and it's in your name that we pray and all of God's people said, amen. All right, so when you look at this word kindness in the Greek, it's defined as moral goodness and integrity. Moral goodness and integrity. That's how kindness is defined, all right? It's more than you just being nice. It's about you being good, and it's about you living your life with integrity. Another word synonymous to integrity is honesty, all right? Honesty and goodness equates kindness. And when you think about that word, when you think about goodness and integrity, I mean, God is a summation of kindness. Kindness is built into the very character of who God is, all right? And so kindness is linked really to your character and my character. And it's important that we try and nurture and grow within this. God is the perfect example of kindness. In Psalms 145, 17, it says, the Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. What that means is that God never struggles with kindness. God never goes on empty with kindness. He is always, always filled with kindness. That deserves an amen. Amen? Amen. God is truly kind to you and to me. And so what does that mean then? Why is God so kind to us? What's the purpose of why God is so kind to you and to me? All right. What is the purpose of that? Paul answers in Romans chapter 2, 4. Here's what he says. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sins? Why is God so kind to you? Is it just because he loves you? Of course he loves you. But why is he so kind to you? Because he wants you to turn away from your sins. That's why. It isn't because God is like a, like a, like a you know, he like just monitors if we're going to sin or not. God is more interested in something deeper. Why does God want you to turn away from your sin? Because if you're not willing to do that, we cannot be in relationship with God. We can't be in community with God unless we are willing to turn away from our sinful nature. We all have a sinful nature, every single one of us. The choices we make every single day when we wake up is this. Are you going to feed the sinful nature or are you going to feed the spiritual nature in which the Holy Spirit resides in, in your life? That's the choice we have to make every day. And God is kind to us because he wants you to turn away from your sinful nature and my sinful nature. And the technical word for that is repentance. And that's great. You know why I love that word repentance? Because God doesn't expect you to never sin. He knows you well. But he wants you to turn away. And that's what repentance means, to turn away from your sins. So when was the last time you actually consciously thought about that? When was the last time you actually consciously thought about turning away from your sins? When was the last time you actually thought that your sins can actually prevent you from living in community with God? Your sins will also prevent you from living in community with other people. When we allow our sinful nature to get the best of us, what it does, one of the, one of the greatest consequences of it is that it divides us from God and it divides us from one another. 
Listen, if my wife Jenny kept abusing me emotionally and just yelled at me and just said all these terrible things to me every single day of our marriage, I cannot be in a healthy relationship with her. It's impossible. I just can't be. If I committed adultery on my wife over and over and over and over again, and I don't feel bad about it, I show no sense of contrition, what's going to end up happening? I won't have a relationship with her. So don't sit here and believe that your sins don't have consequences. Don't sit here and minimize the role of your sin. Yes, we are all broken. We are sinful people, but there's a way. God is kind to us so that we can turn away from our sins. What is that? How does that even happen? Because some of you are saying, but you know what, Peter? I don't really think God's very kind to me. If you know what's happened to my life over the past two, three years during this pandemic, I don't think God's very kind to me. And the problem with many of us as Christians is because we're not able to really get in deeper into the word. We forget where the foundation of God's kindness resides in. Ephesians 1.7, Paul teaches us this. He says this about God and his kindness. He says, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Where does the foundation of God's kindness come from? Jesus Christ. It comes from Jesus Christ. I mean, listen, we have 15 parents up here. Parents, can you imagine offering one of your child for my sinful nature? Am I worth that? Absolutely not, I'm not worth it. None of us are worth the life of your child. Think about it for a moment because it's so hard. We watered down the reality of what God had to do in his kindness. God loved us so much. He believed that we could turn away from his sin, turn away from our sin if he is kind to us, that he offered up Jesus Christ to die for us on the cross and resurrect from the dead so that we can turn away from our sins. And what's the beautiful result of that? Freedom. Freedom. You cannot be in a healthy relation with people unless you and I are living in some level of freedom. God is truly kind. The foundation of his kindness comes to us through God loving us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to come and die for us on the cross and resurrect from that. He sacrificed his only begotten son. When you allow yourself to immerse yourself into that powerful truth of God's kindness, it should make you want to be a better person. You should think twice about sinning because it not only just hurts God, it hurts you, it hurts other people. There's nothing good that comes out of it. I know, listen, I love sinning. It's a desire that I have all the time, but it's so darn overrated. It'll destroy everything that you love. It'll destroy you, it'll destroy the people around you. God is kind to you so that you can turn away from your sinful nature and you realize I gotta change. Some of you need that aha moment today. You gotta have a coming to Jesus moment today and realize, I gotta change, I can't stop living like this. Because it's destroying me, I'm not having any peace, I'm living in bondage. I hope God's kindness will impact you so much that you'd wanna be a better person. Have you ever encountered the foundation of God's kindness coming to you through the power of his son, Jesus Christ? As I'm getting older, and my memory is, is horrible, it's, it's really bad. But even when I was younger, my memory was always bad. And uh, years ago, um, we, had, we had a Honda Odyssey, it was a minivan, loved the minivans. I'm a huge minivan fan. And uh, the thing about the Honda Odyssey, it's three rows of seating, but the second row is two captain chairs, and there's like a middle seat that they give you, but you can take it out, you can put it in, it's portable. 
And then there's a bench in the third row, right? And that purpose of that middle seat is then you can actually fit eight people in the car versus seven people. And so we didn't really need it all the time because we are a family of five, so we didn't need uh, that middle chair. Uh, we only need it if we went to like vacation, we bought my mom or my in-laws or something like that. We needed that, that middle seat. Well, we had to, I had to take it out one time after vacation. I put it in the garage and I realized that if I don't like, like the garage gets very dusty. So I said, you know, I got to cover this up. And so I just took a really large black garbage bag and I put the middle car seat into that and I tied it up. A couple months later, completely forgot I did that. I was cleaning out the garage, trying to do something good for my wife, saying, hey, I'm cleaning out the garage. And I just thought, well, this is clearly garbage. It's in a garbage bag. So I took it and I threw it out. I had no idea I threw out the middle seat. We're getting ready to go on vacation. My mom was over. We're just kind of thinking about it. And my wife is like, hey, you got to get that middle seat. Let's install it into the car. I was like, you got it. I went to the garage and I couldn't find it. And so I said to Jenny, I said, Jenny, I, I, don't, I can't find this. Somebody, where did it go? And she goes, no, no, you put it in a black garbage bag. And then I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> I threw this thing away. I didn't want to tell her because I was so scared, all right? <laughs> So I'm thinking, oh, yeah, let me go take a look and see if it's there. So I would go to the garage, and I'm like looking around for it, and I'm like, how am I going to tell her that I threw this away? I didn't, I didn't even bother to untie it to look, right? Like, who just ties it? Who just throws it away? I'm thinking it must be garbage it's in a black garbage bag. So I told her. My mom was there. And I told her, I was like, honey, I'm so sorry. I threw away the middle seat. She just started laughing. My mom started yelling at me, like, how dare you do that, and so on and so forth. She just starts laughing. And my mom looks at her and she's like, why are you laughing? Why don't you yell at him for once? And she goes, what am I going to do? Like, if I yell at him, is he going to come back? It's like, there's, you know, I mean, it's nothing I can do. He's very forgetful. He's very forgetful. That kindness that she showed me, I was like, man, I got to be better to her. She is so good to me. Encountering her kindness like that made me want to be better, a better husband to her. And I think it's, it's even more amplified with God. Have you encountered the kindness of God that has come through us through his son, Jesus Christ? Have you really encountered that kindness? Because if you've encountered that kindness, you would want to be a better, better child of God. And that's my hope and my prayer for you. So listen, this kindness thing, you can't do it on your own. You can't grow kindness independently of yourself. It doesn't exist in your brokenness. It's impossible to. It is really a fruit of the Spirit. So you need to partner with the Holy Spirit and cultivate this kindness because kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Look at what Paul says in Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. This is so powerful. Kindness is a fruit of the spirit. What that simply means is that if you and I want to grow in kindness, we have to partner with the Holy Spirit and, we, and you have to allow the Holy Spirit to cultivate kindness in you, all right? So that is key. You cannot be kind without the Holy Spirit. And so how do we do that? How do we partner with the Holy Spirit? How do we cultivate kindness with the Holy Spirit? The first thing is this. You do it by being understanding in every situation. You do it by being understanding in every situation in life, particularly understanding of people's faults. Because we as Christians, we're so bad at this. We're so bad at being understanding towards people's faults. Look at Ephesians 1.8. Look what Paul says about God. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. And so the foundation of wisdom is understanding. The more wise you are, the more understanding you are towards other people. Why does God love you and I? Why 
is God so kind to us? Because he understands the brokenness of our humanity. Amen? Amen. If God didn't understand the brokenness of our humanity, he would kill us. Make no mistake about that. But because he understands the depth of our brokenness, in his wisdom, he's able to understand our faults. If you and I ever want to live in community with one another here in this church, you have to be willing to understand each other's faults. Because the opposite of understanding is judgment. And we do that all the time, don't we? We love to judge other people of their faults, particularly when it has some close intimate relationship with you. When their faults have hurt you, we typically don't rush to understanding. We naturally rush to judgment. We love to judge other people. And what you need to realize is that when God helps you, see, again, understanding, like, we can't do it on our own because we're so broken as people. So you need to partner with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit helps you to understand the brokenness of other people, it changes everything. It'll change you so much. Why are you so quick to throw stones at other people when you're so messed up? Think about how messed up you are, just for one moment. Just think about how messed up you are. Think about how many people you've hurt in your lifetime. Think about the people you've hurt in your own home. Think about the people you've betrayed for a moment, for a second. Why are you so quick to throw a stone at somebody who has a fault just like you? Why can't we understand the reality that in our brokenness, God has given us so much favor and love and kindness in our brokenness as long as we've repented of our sins. Why can't we just understand because I'm broken too and you've come to reality of your brokenness that you too will begin to understand the brokenness of other people. Why can't we do that? Because if we can't, Metro, we're gonna be nothing but a country club. We're just gonna talk about how great it is to be a lawyer, a doctor, all the money we have, all this or that or that. We're not gonna be a true community. We have to learn to grow in understanding of each other's faults. If we're not going to do that, we don't have a chance in this community. Jesus Christ won't be able to be the true head. The Holy Spirit will allow you to do it because some of you are saying, this is so hard, Peter, because my script when I was born was judgmentalism. My parents judged people all the time. That could be your script, but your challenge is to reverse that script. When you've received the kindness of God, we cannot be judgmental towards other people like that, particularly even in this church, because whenever there's a relationship involved, every relationship that you have that's important, people will disappoint you because they have faults. Your challenge is not to judge that necessarily. Your first call to understand their brokenness. That's what we're called to do. My best buddy, Jeff, he's out in California, and uh, he left his church about four years ago. And uh, you know, he's got a son who has Down syndrome, Lukey, beautiful kid. And he, I go over and he really likes me. We spend some time together and he just loves to show off his piano playing in front of me when he's playing. Lukey and I have a pretty good relationship. But he shared with me about four years ago, they went to this small, they attend a really large church. And then they went to a smaller church and they really liked the church. They knew that in order for them to uh, sort of get plugged into community, they need to join a small group. But they knew this was a challenge. Luki was the only kid that had special needs. And they weren't sure how they would respond to him coming to their home and, and all that stuff. And so they actually asked a small group leader, they said, hey, would it be okay, like we have a teacher that we can bring to our small group meetings to really keep Luki occupied and really help him with some of his lessons and things like that. It would really help us because then me and my wife then could really be a part of a small group and we won't be distracted and you know, we could really focus on building community here. Would it be okay if we could bring Luki's tutor? They said no. 
They said, you know, we don't know that tutor, and uh, we're just not, we don't like to have people in our home that we don't know. It really hurt them. His wife was really hurt by that. Like this church doesn't understand what it's like to have a child with special needs. And he called me about that, and we talked about it, and I said, are you going to leave? He said, no, I don't, think, I don't think I can. I think God wants me to stick, and be, stick around and be a part of this church. And uh, you know what? Like, they don't fully understand because they don't have a child with special needs. I just thought the depth of this man's understanding is like Jesus. Because I probably would have said, you know what? I'm out of here. And it's easy for him to go and be a part of a church that really welcomes a special needs community. He, since then, uh, he's become the president of his elder board. I talked to him this past Tuesday, and he said to me, he said, Peter, this is crazy, because we talked about this in January. I was over there. We were hanging out. We were going camping. And I said, I think there's a reason why God made you the head of the elder board. I think God's going to bring a, a deeper level of awareness for your church, and there's going to be more special need families coming, and it's going to come through your leadership. You have to help your church to be open and sensitive to this. And I talked to him on Tuesday, and he said, Peter, it's great. In the last month, we've had four new families come who have kids with special needs. And the cool thing is the pastor and the leadership of the church is saying, Jeff, we need your help. Help us to be a community where we can welcome families who have kids with special needs. And I just thought to myself, what would have happened if Jeff, Jeff, left? Is Jeff left? He just left. He could have. But he decided to stick around, understand the brokenness of the people in his community. And God is transforming this church. They're going to be a church where they're going to be open. They're going to love and embrace a special needs community in the Los Angeles area. God did a deep work. Why? Because he understands that community requires you and I to understand the faults of other people. And so I want to encourage you to think about that. Whose faults do you have to grow in deeper understanding to in this church? Who do you have to do that with so that you can be in community? I highly want to encourage you to think about growing in understanding in that way. The last way in how we can cultivate kindness with the Holy Spirit is by being generous. Being generous, okay? We are to be generous towards one another. Romans 12, 8, look at what Paul says here. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do it glad. We are to be generous. One of the ways in how we can be kind is when we are generous. And, you know, I think people have the capacity to be generous. But the Holy Spirit, the partnership with the Holy Spirit, what the generosity that he'll give to you and me is this generosity where we can be generous to people and we don't want anything back. That's godly. That's very godly. When you and I are generous with people and we don't want anything back, God wants you to be generous with the people in this church. He longs for you to do that because when we can begin to do that, we not only will be kind, but in Proverbs, it says that we will prosper. Look at what it says in Proverbs eleven twenty-five: The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It is critical that the most generous people are the kindest of people because they're the ones that are generous and they don't want anything back. And the Bible says that when you can live your life like that, you will prosper. You would truly, truly prosper. Being generous when you don't want anything back requires you to partner with the Holy Spirit and let him cultivate that kind of kindness in your life. When you can be generous to people and you don't want anything back from them, that's true, true, deep agape love and kindness, right? And we have to be willing to do that. So here's the thing. Uh, the three areas that God wants you and I to be kind and, and generous in are the things that we don't want to be very generous with, if I'm going to be very honest. There are three things. You know what it is? It's our time our talents, and our treasures. 
We don't want to be generous with our time, our talents, and our treasures. And I get it. Everyone's so busy. Let's just talk about time. We're busy. We're very busy people. And some of you have little kids and there's just everything. And time, we only have 24 hours in the day. And you're thinking, I don't have much time to give. I can't spend much time within the church and the church community. Listen, if that's your mindset, you're never going to be able to experience community here at Metro Community Church. It just can't. You got to spend more time with the people here than just people that you see on Sundays. It's got to go much more deeper than that. So I want to encourage you to think about being a part of a community group. We have so many amazing community groups. We have like activity-based community groups. We have theology-based community groups. We have like, you know, other different types. And so I want to encourage you to get involved. Offer your time. Connect with people in this church. You got to be willing to use some of your time and being generous with it to connect with the people of this church. It's going to be hard for you to find community just on Sundays. You got to be willing to find community with people in our community outside of Sundays. Does that make sense? Being generous with that and not expecting anything in return. That's truly partnering with the Holy Spirit in that way, all right? Second area of, of being generous is your talents. A lot of you are incredibly talented people. You're doing very well financially in your careers because of the talents that you possess. Could I encourage you to be generous with using those talents to bless this church? How cool would that be if you did that? Because the church needs you in every single way. We need you to serve and use your talents and your gifts in that way. You know, I know Metro kids, um, they like to give their teachers a break in the summer, July and August. They give them eight weeks off. Why not think about serving for eight weeks and saying, you know what? Let me surround myself with these little kids whom Jesus says, if I want to be the greatest, I got to be like them. Think of it as boot camp for you to learn from these little ones how you can be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Why not think about serving? Sign up for that and say, for eight weeks, I'll give my time to serve the church, right, in that way. Some of you, you guys have amazing smiles. You were gifted with a million-dollar smile. Do you know what a blessing that could be to use that smile to bless somebody, particularly a newcomer that comes to this church? Do you know one of the reasons why I don't like speaking at other churches is because I actually get a little bit of an anxiety attack in the parking lot. I don't like to go into a church where I don't know anyone. I get a little bit of anxiety attack. After I come back from my sabbatical and I take three months off of here, sometimes I'm a little anxious to come back. That's just kind of how I'm wired in things. And you know what always helps me is if somebody like in the parking lot or at the front door and they just smile and say, hey, welcome to the church. It helps me so much. Think about the new folks that come to this church. They're going into the parking lot. They're coming and they're nervous. If you could use that smile to smile at them and say, hey, welcome to Metro. Thank you for being here. Do you know how it would bless them? How truly it would bless them? Our welcome ministry needs people to come and serve where you can use your, your smile and your hospitality to bless the people in this church. You can. Our outreach ministry, right now today, you can sign up for the open store happening on the second week of June. I think it's June 12th. We're only gonna have one service here. And then the second service, we're all gonna go to open store. Why don't you think about serving in that day, offering your talents in that way? It would be beautiful, really be. Our setup and breakdown ministry may not be the most sexiest ministry, but it's the most important ministry because without these brothers and sisters, we would not have church, amen? These guys and gals are the best people. They come and they serve and they help and they set up this church and then they break it down. They, could, they would love to have you to help and serve and be a part of that ministry, right? Our, if some of you are just really good with technology, I think it would be great for you to serve in our media department. Our online audience continues to grow. Some of you are tech, you're just so good with technology. Why not serve in that capacity, right? Our worship team, 
We need more folks who are musically gifted to come and serve in it. Don't tell me you don't know how to play an instrument because I know you do. I know your parents forced you to learn instruments when you were growing up. You didn't want to do it. You said, I don't want to do this, but they forced you. You know how to play instruments. Our worship team needs more musicians, right, Tim? We do. We need more people. We need folks who can sing. Why, if you've been given that gift, why not use it to bless this community? It would be so great if you did that. It really would be. You know, my, my buddy, Greg Jackson, we were at the National Day of Prayer last week in Hackensack, and he got up, and before he's prayed, uh, he said this amazing quote that I'll never forget. He said this, if you think serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. If you think serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. And I hope that you'd be open to being generous with your talents to serve our church community, when we can be generous like that, we truly are kind and we're building the community of God in a beautiful, beautiful way. The last thing is being generous with your treasures, with your money. Where, you know, the place where you're spending most of your money are the things that are really important to you. So look at your credit card statements. Look at the things that you're Venmoing. Right? I said checkbooks, but they, somebody in, the, in our preaching team said nobody uses checks anymore. Nobody writes checks. So don't say checkbooks. I still use a checkbook. I don't know why. I don't, I don't trust you know, online payments as much as you do. But, um, but yeah, but when you think about that, but like where are you invest, where's all your money going to? Is it going just to pay for stuff? Man, that's so sad. I really hope if there's one thing you guys could all do, I want to encourage all of you to decrease your standard of living. Because if you can do that, you're going to be so happy. You don't got to live in these nice houses. You don't got to buy the nice cars and go into debt for it. Like tremendous that when you don't have money. If you have the money, go for it. But if you don't have the money, why are you doing all that to go into debt? Because when you go into debt, you can never be generous with your treasures. You just can't. You cannot express the kindness of God in that way. God has called us. He's, we make money. God owns everything. He's given us an income, not just so that it can benefit you, so you can buy all this great stuff here in America. No, so you can use it to impact and advance his kingdom. He wants you to be generous with that. But you can't be generous if you're in debt and if you're just focusing on buying stuff. And so as a Christian, if we want to truly grow and build this community, we're called to tie to the church in which you and I serve and learn and grow in. Tithing is important. Tithing is like the, 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 the basement. It's not the ceiling. So I want to encourage you to think about that. If you're not tithing, I'm going to ask you, why aren't you? Why? You don't trust where the money's going here in this church? We'll give you our, we get audited every year. We'll give you our books. We have a financial company that comes and looks at how we spend our money as a church. But why are you holding that back when God says it's part of, it's a discipleship issue and that we should be doing it? Now, some of you might say, well, Metro has enough funds. We don't. Andre Solomon, who's volunteering as our executive pastor, uh, looked at our finances and he told our elder board this week, he said, we're going to have to start cutting budget because we're not going to meet it. If giving continues to go this way, we're just not going to meet the, we're not going to give it. And some of you have been so generous in giving. It's really the others who may not. Why don't we be a part of this and build community by being generous with our treasures? We, with our treasures. we have the opportunity to do that today as we give to the Ukraine fund. Um, we're taking up the special offering where uh, even our church, we've decided to match up to $10,000 that's given today to the Ukraine fund. So I hope that you and I would truly be generous with our time, our talents, and our treasures. None of this is to make you feel guilty. Please don't feel guilty. Because guilt is not from God, it's from the devil. 
This is not about you being killed. This is an opportunity for you and I to build God's kingdom where we can allow Jesus to be the head of this church by building this church up with our generosity of our time, our talents, and our treasures. This is an opportunity for you to serve and be a part of what God might be wanting to do here in this church continuously so that we can continue to build true, true community. So will you be kind today? Will you grow in kind? Will you partner with the Holy Spirit by understanding the faults of other people in this church? And also by being generous with your time, your talents, and your treasures. About a year and a half ago, our church, uh, we started uh, a volleyball ministry. And, uh, you know, Doug was telling me about it. Doug's like, I think we need to start something, and we just need to get people back together one-on-one, like, in, in person. And so they started this, and he always said, like, when we would meet, we meet up every month, and he said, you know, you should come out, Peter. And I was just like, well, I'll try, but I just, I mean, I'm, <laughs> Sundays are like my busiest days. I just, I don't have sometimes even the strength to muster up to go and play volleyball. And so I didn't go for the first time. They, they played for like three, four months and they took a break and I didn't go play volleyball. And then like they just started up again uh, a couple of months ago and they're playing and I just hear great things. Everyone loves it. Uh, and it's just really great. And so Doug, you know, every week, every month we get together, he goes, you should try to come out. You should try to come out. I was like, I'll try. And he said, you know, Peter, you know, you are the senior pastor of this church. Like you have a lot of influence in the church. If you come out, something good could really come about it. And I was like, really? I was like, okay. I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll come one time. And so I did. And uh, I did. I went out. And I'm, not, I'm like a mediocre volleyball player. I'm not very good, but I, but I like to play. But the problem with me is I'm very competitive. I hate losing. I just don't like to lose. And so, like, uh, so I go and I play. And I, I, I wasn't happy with how I played. Because it was the first time I played in years. And I wasn't happy with my performance. But anyway, I, just, I played. The second time I went, I started to get angry. Because we were playing to be seated in a tournament. We lost every game. And I remember Steve Bang looking at me and he's like, hey, 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 what's wrong, are you okay? I'm like, man, I'm all right, don't worry about it, I'll be okay. I was starting to get all upset because I was messing up a lot, our team kept losing every game. And what I love about what Doug is doing in this is that he should have told me this, but he didn't tell me, but he told us a lot of, we have really good volleyball players, like they're really, really good. And, uh, and he told them all, he met with them. He goes, listen, if you get so competitive that you get angry because there's all the different levels of volleyball skills at this volleyball, game, at this volleyball league. And if you get angry because someone didn't hit the ball properly, he said, you're out. We're not going to have that kind of competitiveness in here. This, is not, we're, this group is not to win. It's about us experiencing community. And so I was like, whoa, that's, that's great. And, it's just, and that's exactly what happens because people will miss. You know, we have all different levels at this volleyball league. All different. There's people who never even played volleyball, but they, they just come. And, and they'll miss stuff. And rather than be like, what's up? This is what you could do. Like, they'll just say, good job. Don't worry about it. You'll get them next time. Don't worry. Good try. And I'm like, wow, I can't even believe this. And I just remember for me, I was getting so competitive in the second game. Like the second time I went, I spiked the ball on a sixth grade little girl. Her name is Mabel. And I felt so bad. I felt so bad. I didn't see her. I spiked it. And it almost hit her. And then the team looked at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'd apologize to her. I mean, it, is, it wasn't good. And then I said, you know what? I, I got to change because I am not having fun here anymore. And then after the third week and fourth and fifth week that I went, I was having the time of my life. I didn't care if, I won, I didn't care if we won or lost. And we actually won a bunch of games. But the thing is, is that I just saw something really beautiful. There's three generations of people playing. 
there are sixth graders. Then we got the teenage kids in youth group. Then we got the young 20-year-olds in college. Then we got the older 20-year-olds, the early 30s, early 30s, late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s playing together. And what I love is I see like these, uh, I see the advanced players, they're bringing the other teammates together and they're teaching them and coaching them how to play the game well. It's the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And the shocking thing about this is about 65 people that come out, attendance retention is like 95%. We don't have those numbers in any type of ministry in our church. <laughs> All right? We have something like, it's like, yeah, we're lucky we get 50%. 95% of the people come back. Why? Why do they come back every week? You ever think about that? Is it just so that they can have fun? No. It's so much more than just having fun. You know what it is? It's three weeks of their life during the week where they can come and experience nothing but the kindness of God. That's why they all come back every week because they want to encounter the kindness of God. They want to get to know the community of the church. And when I look at that Metro, when I look at that, I have hope for our church. Because that volleyball league, I hope and I pray, is going to be a microcosm of what our church can be today. That we would be a church where we would understand each other's faults. That we would be a church where we'd be generous with our kindness, of our time, and our talents, and our treasures. But it's not going to happen unless you're willing to be kind today. Unless you're willing to make this church your church and say, I'm going to devote all of myself to it. I'm going to be as kind as I can by understanding the faults of others. And I'm going to be as generous as I can of my time and talents and treasures towards the people of this community. I hope and pray that that's what will happen. And may you experience true community of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. And so God, I just pray that you'll help this church. We have a ways to go before we can be kind to one another. And here's, I said this at the first service, but some of you, you can't be kind to people in this church because you're not kind to yourself. And the first person you might have to extend a lot of kindness to is yourself. Can you one day pay attention to your self-talk when you make a mistake? What do you say to yourself when you fail? What do you say to yourself when you drop the ball? Sometimes we say some of the most horrible things to ourselves. And we're not kind to ourselves. And when you're not kind to yourself, you cannot be kind to God. You can't be kind to others. And so maybe today that's the way in how you start. And so God, I pray for those who need to show kindness to themselves. I pray, God, that you all allow them to do so. So that they can love themselves in a healthier way so they can love their neighbor as themselves, God. And so would you be with our church? Would you help us, God? as we partner with the Holy Spirit, as we grow the fruit of kindness, I hope that it'll one day grow from like a blueberry to like a watermelon. It would be that big of a fruit in our lives. That you would help us to understand the faults of each other because we've come to grips with the reality of how broken we are. And God, that you'll help us to be so generous with our time, our talents, and our treasures. And as we do that with each other, God, would you help us to really taste and drink from the fountain of living water that you invite us to drink from? Because some of us are so thirsty for community today. I pray that we'll be able to drink of it as we offer our time, our talents, and our treasures. So God, would you just be with our church? We thank you so much for this time. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.